You're listening to No Filter, a 2FM collective podcast. Hello, I'm Louise McSharry and welcome to No Filter. This is the podcast that features extraordinary women with extraordinary stories. In this episode, I speak to Leila Beatty. A Dublin-based writer and model who is also trans. She was incredibly generous and open during our conversation, which I'm very grateful for. We began by discussing her life as a trans woman. Well, like growing up, I have like all the kind of classic symptoms, I suppose. Like my earliest memories are of me wanting to be a girl and um, like there was just a lot of disappointment in my childhood, I think, um, and a lot of kind of discomfort and a lot of shame as well. I think that's a very common thing to experience. Where did you grow up? Uh, in Kalini, um, mm-hmm. with my family. And um, yeah, so then we moved to Wexford and um, when I moved to Wexford, I was in a mixed school and I gravitated towards like girls and stuff. And like, I definitely saw myself as a female and like I hated when people differentiated between my sisters and I or any of that kind of stuff. Like I definitely saw myself as a female. And yeah, so I was like 17 when I started to research transgender people and like obviously it was huge in the media and stuff and um I suddenly had a word for it so um yeah that that was when I decided I'd transition and um yeah like I think I've been surprised by how long it's taken how gradual how frustrating it is (laughs) um because like I was so impatient obviously as a teenager you find out that you're supposed to be living as a woman and you want to do it immediately but it's taken a long time did it feel like you'd kind of found an answer to something that had been at you for your whole life yeah definitely an answer is definitely it and there wasn't this big like joyous moment or anything like but it was just kind of like oh, that's what I need to do. Like, and so I did it. And uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, like I think it's been freeing in many ways, but like also it is, I do try and think like the transition is just medical and like my identity is what's important. So yeah. like all that kind of stuff, it's, I just try and treat it like um, anything medical and just try not to get like too put too much importance on it because I think that's when you end up getting frustrated. Yeah, so your identity is consistent. It's just the the physicality or the yeah the medicine, yeah. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, how old are you? Twenty. Twenty. Okay, so it's only three years ago, really, that that yeah. you started mm-hmm. that you had this aha moment and kind of were able to start making changes. Mm. How did you? How do you go from having that moment of like, okay, yes, great, finally, okay, this is what I need to do to actually getting it done? How does that happen in Ireland? Um, well, it's like, it's just so complicated. I was, I'm, would consider myself a very good researcher, but like I could not find help anywhere. Um, except my mom began attending a support group and she suddenly met all these parents of trans kids and they helped her out with kind of doctor's appointments and stuff like that. So I had to first see a psychologist. I had to do three sessions with her, which I hated, but, um, I had to do that. Why did you hate it? I just, it was very frustrating to have somebody between me and the medical process, I think. Like, the I was so sure of this fact and there was no doubt in my mind. And, um, yeah, it was just frustrating to feel like I had to verify to her. Mm. Like, um, my story is my own and, like, I obviously I tell it to a lot of people. But, like, it's it was frustrating having to sit there and kind of, I don't know, I felt like I was putting on a performance almost. Yeah. Um, 
even though I knew that that was what I needed to do. Yeah. So after I saw her, I had to travel down to Cork to do that in between college and bless my mom. She brought me down each time. And Sounds um, like your mom was supportive. So supportive. Yeah, she's yeah. been brilliant. Um, she put me up in a hotel and we'd have like a kind of a weekend because she knew I hated it so much. She spoiled me. Um, and That's lovely. Yeah, it was very nice. And um, yeah, so after I saw the psychologist, I had to wait months for an appointment with the gender clinic. And then I went on hormones last year, last, this time last year, actually kind of November was when I started um, the testosterone inhibitor. And then in January, I started on estrogen. So, And what has that been like? Uh, <laughs> it's been okay. Um, it's been really weird. Um, but there was this moment when I first started on hormones because my first injection, my testosterone inhibitor, that went along with the estrogen. It actually didn't work. It was there was a whole complicated thing. But just um, just before we move on, just in case, let's let's assume that people know absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So testosterone obviously is a male hormone, and so an inhibitor is reducing that in your body, and then yeah. the estrogen is to increase the female hormones in your body. Yeah. And then what will that result in for you? Um, like uh, there's. Well, obviously, there's a lot of like side effects, but the main thing is that like my body started to change. Like I've my weight is redistributed. I'm growing breasts. Um, and yeah, like my skin is softened. There's just a few. Your skin is beautiful. Can I just <laughs> say, you. stunning. I would kill for that skin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, it, it changes you. I don't know to just have a more feminine body. Okay, cool. So you started taking those. Yeah. Um, I started. Yeah, taking the estrogen, but the week that I started, the injection didn't work. And I get that injection every three months. So it didn't work. And I ended up having really high levels of testosterone at the same time that they were putting estrogen into me. So I suddenly had fatigue. I was asleep all the time. I I was sleeping 16 hours a day. Like I was trying to juggle college and everything. And I was getting so stressed and the emotional effect was awful as well. Um, and like I had a big crisis because I was wondering, like, is this what life is like on hormones? Because I knew they took their toll. These hormones were something that I felt I should be taking. But I had to come to terms with the fact that I was like, I can't live a life like this. Like, mm-hmm. I can't. But um, yeah, I mean, I was highly depressed at that point as well. I was so exhausted all the time. And I mean, spending life in bed isn't fun at all. So um, I I went to my doctor and he took my bloods and saw that everything was wrong like and <laughs> it was such a relief because I was mm. like <laughs> I was about to tell him that I needed to stop taking them all together but so there was a few weeks while it kind of configured itself and I went through all the things I went through at the beginning again the hot flushes the um dry mouth the tiredness and stuff but um yeah I feel like I'm finally adjusted to them good. now um which is good so um yeah I mean it's been such a weird road with them but I'm hoping that there's no more blips it's I mean listen I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination I was saying to you just before we started the interview that having had a baby and I have my hormones are a bit crazy anyway with my menstrual cycle and stuff I would I would definitely experience like major highs and lows as mm-hmm. a result of that more lows <laughs> um <laughs> but with with having a baby I really experienced some some pretty crazy emotions around it um and you know I'm sure that's minor compared to you know what you're going through when you're completely changing kind of your hormonal balance mm-hmm. it must be so tough um yeah I mean it is tough but like I have a great support network my roommates like 
they're good like they they do think it's funny because I just go manic sometimes and stuff and they're kind of well used to dealing with me at this point but um yeah but it's worth it like I mean at the moment my roommate's we all gather around and um, feel my breasts to see like if they're growing and stuff. So, uh, you know, there's been fun times with it as well. I love it. Mm. And are they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> Sorry, that probably sounds like a very intrusive question. <laughs> Not at all. Is that exciting? Um, yeah, I mean, it is exciting. It's because it's, for for you know cis women, I think it's exciting when your breath. Well, for it depends on how old you are and how welcoming you are of them. But for a lot of cis women, I think that's an exciting time in life when your breasts start to grow. Yeah, definitely. So um, and like then I've been wearing like dresses and like female clothes for a while now, and I'm they're fitting better now and stuff. So it's just nice. It's been nice. Yeah, that. When did you start wearing female clothes? I, I actually only wore my first dress. A couple of months, a few months ago, but like really? then I just did not stop. Um, I I had some kind of a block on wearing dresses for some reason. I don't really know why, but um, the I was wearing like female jeans and cardigans and stuff. I was wearing that like before I'd even transitioned. I used to go to Tesco and just go straight to the women's section and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean it gradually my wardrobe gradually became more female from the time that I was probably fifteen, mm. and then I'd say when I was like eighteen my wardrobe was fully female at that point there were no more male clothes well you are beautiful and I like I'm sure you know that because you've done some modeling and stuff and that doesn't happen unless you've got a bit of a look going on Thank do you. you think that that's made things a little bit easier oh definitely um and it's awful but people look at me and they think I'm a convincing woman and um they it's just it, they find it easier and like I think I experience a lot less like I experience harassment still but I experience a lot less kind of like grudging from like people around me and stuff I think like for my family like my extended family and like for people I meet in college and stuff they just look at me and I say I'm a transgender female and it just makes sense but I think if I looked less convincing I'd which is an awful thing to say like looks less convincing what is a convincing woman but mm. um, I think I'd experience a very different world and that makes me very sad um, mm. because like I didn't choose <laughs> the way I look like it's just I just happen to have these features and um, yeah I always try and kind of speak up about that that like being trans isn't looking aesthetically pleasing it's not like I don't know conforming to a certain look um, mm. I happen to have this fashion sense I happen to have bleach blonde hair and um I happen Great to have skin. nice features. Such good skin. <laughs> Great skin, thank you. And um, yeah, that's great, but um, it's not important. It can't be important. I mean, I think that that's an issue across the board for women and sure. and m increasingly for men as mm -hmm. well, that, you know, this idea that we owe it to other people to look a certain way in order to make them comfortable or satisfied with our exterior. I mean, I certainly have spoken a lot about it in terms of body image, just in terms of weight. Mm -hmm. That's something that I, I've written extensively about um, and spoken a lot about because, you know, when fat people are abused or harassed, it is people who feel like they are better than them just because they were born into a body that isn't doesn't have a propensity to be fat, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe they live in the gym, yeah. you know, and fair play if you do that. But like that doesn't make you better than another person. It, like it, it's incredible the weight that we place on physical appearance. It really is. Very true. Very true. So you mentioned that you still do get some harassment. I'm really sorry to hear that. 
that's okay. I'm like well used to dealing with it at this time. But isn't that point. awful? That like because I feel the same way now. In fairness, it's been a long time since someone shouted at me on the street. But I did, you know, I got it a lot in school. I got it. I used to get it a lot when I was younger. I still get a little bit scared if I walk by a group of young men. I still feel like, oh, what are they going to say? Is yeah. it going to come? And um, and and I feel the same way. Like, oh, it's fine. I'm used to it. But like, it's actually not okay for us to just be used to it. No, not at all. Even last night, like we were walking, um, my friends and I were walking and um, like I went past this kebab shop thing. I don't know. <laughs> and um, I, I heard someone shout like there's a tranny just walked by. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm well used to it. And like, I don't know how we do that, like how we make it slide off or something. It's like it's kind of awful because it means we have such barriers up like that. Yeah, that can't be healthy. But at the same time, like what is the alternative? People are cruel and. You have to find a way to deal with it. Well, just while we're on that, let's talk a little bit about language because there are a lot of conversations around language. And I think I think one of the dangers of kind of the way that we talk about sensitive subjects these days is that we kind of expect people to be the finished product. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, particularly on the Internet, I think people aren't allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. And the reality is a lot of people don't know anything about trans people. Unfortunately, people are learning more and more as more there are more high profile trans people. Representation is so important. You know, we're seeing a lot more trans people mm-hmm. in, in lots of different roles in our lives, particularly in the media. Um, but there are still a lot of people who really won't know what is the right thing to say and what's the wrong thing to say. And I think it's particularly sensitive for trans people because one person might be comfortable with something that another person isn't. Um, and I know that you, for example, didn't start using Layla full-time until recently. Yeah. So what language are you comfortable with and what rules do you think people should follow when they're speaking to and about trans people? Um, well, the most important rule, I think, when you're speaking about any minority is just to find out their... Um, preferences I mean I would hope that no one's ever going to bite your head off for asking an innocent question Mm. Um, but yeah I mean the language for me um, I'm a trans female but I don't like obviously in a situation like this I'm fine with that but like I don't want that to define me all the time like I would hate for someone to go my friend Layla she's a trans like uh, that's not the defining characteristic of me Um, but like for some people I know like they kind of how will I word this they kind of um, they find it freeing to identify as trans in every aspect of their life and I yeah it's it all d- depends on preferences and stuff I know that people would probably have issue with me I just said the word tranny um, would have issue with that and like I understand that um, but I think I don't know, like, I get called that every day. I need to kind of be able to use that word. Um, and it's fine. Um, like, if somebody says to me, like, that word bothers me, I'm like, no problem, I won't say it in front of you. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know, like, I think when it comes to language and stuff, it is, it just depends on people's preferences. And, um, yeah, like, the uh, people are so, have a right to have whatever preferences they want. But I think people are going to be curious and... um yeah as long as they kind of know what to say then that's okay I know I confused a lot of people because I lived as a male up until a few weeks ago three weeks ago I think it was I just turned 20 so I changed my name and my pronouns then but it was so confusing for people like the and I never bit anyone's head off like in um in the summer I was um in the hospital and everyone was referring to me as she and stuff and that was the first time that had really happened where everyone was referring to me as she and like I wasn't I wasn't bothered correcting them 
But um, if anyone asked me, I'd say like, my name is David. You can refer to me using male pronouns. Um, because I don't know, it just took a while for me to be ready. And I mean, it's still weird to adjust to the whole name thing. So I'm really glad that I waited until now because there was definitely a pressure there to start identifying as female because like people would come to visit our house and they'd say to my mom, like, oh, your daughter's beautiful and stuff. And she would have no idea what to say. And um, it's confusing stuff. It is. It is. And um, but like I never I've never minded curiosity. Like people yeah. can ask me anything. And um so yeah. your advice would be ask a question, ask it kindly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, be like respectful, obviously. And like if that I know that for trans people, they probably spend an awful lot of their time like kind of explaining themselves. And sometimes it feels like you're just justifying your existence on a daily basis. Yeah. And I can understand frustration around that. But um, I think that if somebody is... um angry or I'm not angry but if somebody's uncomfortable then you need to back off obviously yeah. but um hopefully they'll be able to kind of yeah talk also you it. there's a difference between asking someone so you're trans so what's the story with that <laughs> yeah. and saying um what 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 language would you like mm-hmm. me to use around you yeah, I mean very true it's not appropriate to ask someone you don't know for their life story on mm. any basis ever <laughs> or you know that's just not an okay thing to do it's mm. too much it's over familiar it's not appropriate so uh, you know I think you're not suggesting that th- that happened no but if you feel like you're uncertain of what to say or how to speak to someone then it makes sense to ask yeah Yeah. okay cool well you mentioned there um that you were in hospital over the summer and i gather you had a bit of a really rough go of it for a while there yeah um i as i said with the hormone changes and stuff um it induced a very heavy depression um and i've been prone to depression all my life i had it when i was a teenager and um i'm also anorexic so um i battle with that all the time um so yeah in the summer I'm a massive control freak, like I'm a <laughs> over controller of my emotions, which can be so handy in terms of my work and stuff. But um, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> um, well, that for goes me. Hand, in, hand in hand with anorexia, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. very true. So, um, but like for me, it's always been the anorexia is confusing because for me, like it's always been about controlling my food consumption and stuff. But when I suddenly like drop to a scary, like scary looking weight, um, which I did during the summer. I get scared because like that feels out of, like I'm out of control. Like mm. I, it's it, it seems to be that I'm like just staying at a certain weight. Um, so you're kind of self-regulating. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah. The the anorexia. I I think it's very confusing. I'm still figuring it out. What's it like when you struggle with food? It's it's really rough. I think I like. I used to be so secretive about it and um, like much to the frustration of my parents and my family and stuff. But now like I, I can't be secretive about it. I've like made a resolution this year not to feel shame about anything. So like I'll turn up to lunch with my friends and I'll be like, I, I haven't eaten today. Like I haven't eaten. It's three o'clock in the day and I just have not eaten. I can't eat. And they'll just be like, oh, OK, like sit down. And then like we might get a cookie and I can slowly start eating that and then I suddenly can have a lunch and like um, everyone's kind of helping me get back in touch with my appetite. But um, it's it's tough. Um, the whole because my body's changing so much right now and stuff like the I find myself just constantly looking in the mirror and wondering what's going on. And like I'm obsessed with um, I was obsessed with the scales while I was in the hospital because I used to get weighed regularly. Um, mm. I was obsessed with what they said. Like, I get these obsessions for things. Like, my obsession at the moment is that 
um, like putting myself into clothes and making sure I fit in everything that is in my wardrobe, even stuff that like I find it very hard to get into. And um, like next week, my obsession could be um, go going for runs for every day for like I don't know. It's um, it's rough. Like I'm I'm very. I'm a very intense person and I'm very manic like um, with the hormones and with everything else that goes on like I go through periods of complete mania and um, the that doesn't help with the eating because yeah everything in my life seems to just come down to control yeah. um, and I think that's just because for so long I felt kind of scrutinised by society and like um, by everyone around me I mean everyone is always wondering what's going on with my gender with my mental health with everything and I think I just need to have that control because for so long it was taken away from me mm. but I'm working on it I'm with the therapist I was at therapy yesterday and um like I'll still be attending that and um yeah I mean I've been told it's going to be a long road I need a good year or so of psychological work but well there. so do I so <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> I don't know true. if that makes you feel any better but <laughs> it does actually being in the hospital and stuff it really like it really showed me that mental illness doesn't discriminate no. against anyone like mm-hmm. um there were just people there from every walk of life and it's comforting um it's nice to know like that we all have trouble like I've only learned to kind of feel sorry for myself since I went into the hospital I was always very like everything's grand, everything's positive um, and stuff. And I, I really learned like to take it easy on myself and yeah. to kind of recognise that I have uh, many difficulties. And yeah. um, that it's comforting though too because I think in a lot of people are just sharing their difficulties with me a lot. And yeah, it's nice to know that you're not alone. Oh, I can really, really relate to that <laughs> because I was the same when I had cancer. It's not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. Not in any way grouping those two things together. But um, I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's been three years. And I think only now I'm kind of going, oh, maybe that's not fine. And actually, yeah. maybe that was really hard. And, uh, you know, I probably need to do some work around that. And I've, I've, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in my life over the last couple of years that I've been like, nope, fine. Absolutely fine. I'm fine. I'm a positive person. Everything's <laughs> fine. Um, but eventually it'll get you. Mm, and then definitely. you do need to just deal with it and work and work, work it all out. And, yeah. but it is, it's hard. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think that the hardest, the hardest thing is taking the first step getting a therapist can be a great challenge. Mm. I, I, I build it up into my head as this like massive task, this huge <laughs> undertaking. How can I possibly find anybody who will understand me? <laughs> um, and that's just another excuse that I kind of make to try and get out of, you know, dealing with it. So if you're, if you've started that process, that's amazing. And I think that decision that you've made to, because not everybody would, would be able to do this, but that decision that you've made to just say things out loud is huge. I mean, that's absolutely huge because the more we keep things secret, the more that they fester in our head. And, you know, if you have those dark voices about anything, about food, about, you know, your your body image, about, you know, about anything at all, it just builds and builds and builds. And I certainly find that the minute I say things out loud, I feel mm-hmm. at least 10 percent better. <laughs> yeah, like it's a cliche, but truth, I think it's very healing. Um, yeah. And yeah, like the, I just I'm sick of not being honest in my writing and stuff when I first set out writing I was like can't say that can't put that on the internet and everything and now yeah. I just <laughs> so tell me about your writing how did you come to that I have had a lot to say for my whole life um <laughs> I've never shut up um ever um and like my family would all tell you that I was always like at family events standing up at the on the mantelpiece and singing or talking or yeah making everyone listen to me basically um so when I grew up, 
um, I shut up a lot, I think. And um, when in my teenage years, like I was very kind of um, suppressed. So when I started transitioning, I was like, Jesus, I have a lot to say. Like there's, yeah, it's been... Years of backup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just sat down one day and just started writing a book um, and I didn't tell anyone <laughs> that I was doing it. Um, it was just like, it's a collection of essays um, and I was 18. So like to me now they're unreadable. I think they're awful. <laughs> like I'm so, I can't even look at it. But um, the, it was a really good first step. I found that it was really kind of freeing and stuff. So I wrote this book and like for for everyone in my immediate life anyway it was so nice because they listened to me and there's mm. such a nice thing about writing I think that no one can interrupt you mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just say your piece and um, so yeah I loved writing I'd, before that I'd always written like journals and stuff but um, like that was all my secrets whereas now it was like in a public kind of forum so after I'd written my book I thought I was done <laughs> but then I realised I had so much more to say so I started my blog and um, I was surprised by how much people connected with it and stuff. And um, yeah, it's brought me a lot of really, really good opportunities. And um, yeah, so the now I'm I've actually obviously with everything that's been going on, I'm not doing as much writing as I should be. I'm more kind of focusing on my YouTube channel at the moment because I find that a bit easier. Um, but I'm going to get back to it. And the blog um has been really kind of freeing and I intend to get even more honest on it as time goes on and stuff. So. Well, I think that's amazing. And I said it to you before, but, you know, I have this belief in my life that if I can share experiences, I will, because I think it's useful for me and I think it's useful for other people. I think that the more we're honest about the things that we face in life, the less alone we'll all feel mm-hmm. because very few experiences are totally unique, you yeah. know. So usually you can get something out of out of someone else's. So, But not everybody feels like they're able to do that and that's totally fine. Um, but the fact that you feel like you are able to do that and you're willing to do that, I think is a really generous and kind thing. So thank you very much. And thank you for sharing so much today. And so if people want to check out your book or if they want to check or well, maybe you don't want people to check out your book, <laughs> but if people want to check out your blog and your YouTube channel and stuff, where do they go? Um, well, my website is laylatalks.com. That's L-A-Y-L-A-H. I know a lot of people struggle with the H. Um, mm-hmm. the, I like it. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, yeah, laylatalks.com. And then my YouTube channel is just Layla BC. And yeah, I mean, I have... Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So, And are you, you okay with people anywhere. getting in touch with you? If Because I know once you talk about this kind of stuff, as you said, people do have a tendency to kind of come to you and, yeah. and offload a little bit or share their own experiences. Are you okay with that? Oh, I'm so okay with it. Yeah, okay, no, I good. love connecting with people. Good, good. Well, thank you very much, Leila Beatty. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.